I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Gospel reading we just heard is definitely very challenging and a difficult reading, so the bishop will try to avoid it this morning. (laughs) Uh, But if you look at towards the end, how many times the word faithful is mentioned? You know, and the psalmist says, praise the Lord. You know, we praise the Lord for these faithful people who meet you people in the market square. We give thanks to God. You are a missional people who've been called to carry the mission of Jesus Christ amidst all of this, what is developing amidst this area. Thank you for the invitation that my wife and I came can come and worship you this morning. We need a place to worship. You know, we live in Wisconsin. We come here for two months and visit different churches every weekend and uh, worship, celebrate the mysteries of heaven, Holy Eucharist, and proclaim the word of God and in fellowship with God's people like this morning. I met your vicar, Father Matthew, and his wife and children in July in uh, Reverend Sarah Oxley's home over a dinner. Mm-hmm. I was very pleased to know that a new church is being planted in this Western Horizon? Horizon West. Horizon West community. Why I'm so excited. In 1977, my bishop where I was studying at University of Genevieve in Switzerland and was offered a job as uh, assistant director in the American Emmanuel Episcopal Church in Geneva, Switzerland. And my bishop learned about it. I wrote to him and gave him the copy of my letter and he said, Patrick, if you decide after you finish your education, here at the university, I will write a letter to the Archbishop of Canterbury's office, to all the bishops in, you know, uh, uh, in Europe, and you will never have a place to work as a priest. So, you better come back. <laughs> so, try to now understand why I'm mentioning the amount of the money. The Episcopal Church in Geneva, which is a very expensive city in the world, they offered me at that time a young man. I was going to get married in a few months with Myra, and they offered me a stipend of $2,000. Now, Bishop says, immediately come back. Otherwise, you can never serve as a priest again. And so I left and went back, and he said, you are going to plant a mission in the capital city of Pakistan, which is known as Islamabad, the house of Islam. (laughs) And there was only one church, and the Muslim government said, why do you need many churches, you know? uh, uh, The Roman Catholic have Fatima, 
cathedral there, so we have allowed one church to be built. It is a house of Islam. And uh, so, my bishop said, we hold services in the British Embassy. So, Patrick, I want you to go and find where Christians are living. And most of the Christians are systematically kept poor and oppressed in Pakistan. They were given jobs to clean roads, clean their offices, and considered third, fourth, you know, class uh, citizens of the country and uh, have really no identity. So I will hold services on Saturday morning at 10 o'clock in the British Embassy where the diplomats would come. And uh, then after the service in English, I will just go and try to find out where Christians were living, these very poor people, and uh, I'll knock at their doors, introduce myself. And I was there last uh, March, this year, this year, last March, I was visiting there, and that church has four services now. It was just under the trees, on a, oh, by the roadside, I used to hold a service when I planted St. Thomas's Mission Parish Church there. Today, it is a beautiful building for three services, one in English, one in Urdu, then in English, and then one in Korean community, you know, holds a service there. And I was told over 24, 2,500 people every Sunday gather there. But when the service is about to start, the road closes down for security reason because Islamic terrorists have tried to really attack the church and then outside there is a police and there are several gunmen for two hours or three hours when the church is meeting and it's, it's a, everywhere in Pakistan and uh, they will check everybody with a metal detector, people who are going in and out, but we give thanks to God here, this mission, church, missional community meeting with, without any worry, you know that uh, we don't have to go to metal detectors. And the church where I'm serving now, I'll tell you a little bit before, then I will go back to the meditations I prepared as a missional church. The uh, church in South Sudan was planted by Church Missionary Society, people like Father Ensley, you know, kind of a missionary. And uh, uh, it was, uh, and I know the bishop with whom I go and serve. He's 93, 90, maybe five, five years old. He, he doesn't know really his date, but people say at such and such time he was born. And he's still active. He was the first bishop of the Mother Diocese of Sudan. And he baptized thousands of people, you know. These were animals living in, you know, uh, by the River Nile and in woods and uh, open spaces and little huts. And he brought these people to Jesus Christ and he will walk 18, 20. He told me even 100, 200, 300 miles, he will keep walking and preaching the gospel and baptizing people, these animus spirit worship people and kept, kept going. And today that diocese has over 100,000 or several. There are 16 dioceses which have come out of Diocese of Bode where I've been called to be a missionary bishop. And I want to encourage you, a mission planted in Islamabad today has four services on Sunday morning for 2,400, even people coming through the metal detectors and given challenges under Islamic militancy. But the faithful meet and proclaim 
the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior in South Sudan. When I go in the diocese of Bor, it's a long, you know, kind of mud walls and, you know, kind of a tin roof, long cathedral and a simple place, you know, a mud floor. Sunday morning, if people sit too tight, 4,000, 3,000 easily sit and they are raising Dinka crosses, you know, kind of a wooden crosses when they meet and they say, Jesus Christ, my Lord. Jesus Christ, my Lord. Fifty years ago, the Islamic government of Sudan decided that these people should accept Sharia law and they should become Islamic people, Muslims, and deny the name of Jesus. But these people kept saying, I've decided to follow Jesus. Do you know this chorus? <laughs> I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. A cross before me, the world behind me. The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back, turning back. When the Islamic government decided to force these people, they kept raising their wooden Dinka crosses, they call and saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord. 2.1 million people gave their lives as martyrs to proclaim Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Four million and more became homeless. Some of them live in the United States as uh, uh, lost boys of Sudan. Thousands of people every Friday since COVID started. Our Sudanese priests from the Diocese of Bor, where I serve in South Sudan, works in a meat plant in Cactus, Texas, in some small town. It's a, working in a meat plant is a pretty dirty job, difficult job. You stand about 12 hours, you know, and work there. And he called me and he said, you are our bishop in Bor, South Sudan. We have several 30, 40 people, families living in Cactus. And I have talked to many other Sudanese families who live in Michigan, who live in Toronto area, who live in Kansas and many other places, Virginia and Roanoke, Virginia, and said, we have decided since we cannot meet in our churches when the COVID started, we'll hold a service. We don't have modern computers. We are first generation. We are very poor. We clean offices. We do, you know, small jobs. And uh, we, will, we have phones. Would you, Bishop, hold a service on Friday at 7.30? Here is 8.30 because Texas 7.30, Wisconsin 
So I held service even this Friday. And uh, these people meet, we sing in Dinka, they translate when I teach, and then they tell me a long list of people who are sick and bored, sick in Canada, sick over here, or people who have died, or somebody given a birth, or all kinds of, you know. so they give me a list, and then they say, Bishop, now you pray. And then we say the Lord's Prayer together in Dinka, and then I say the final blessing. It is a joy to really serve. I was a priest for 37 years here, seven years in Pakistan, and so 44 years almost, I was a priest and then called June 2nd to be after presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church, discerned and then called to be bishop. So June 2nd, I resigned from my parish and June 3rd, I was with my bishop, Myra, another priest and another priest. Uh, we, we left for uh, South Sudan and on June 9th in a week, I was consecrated as a bishop to serve as a servant bishop, as a missionary bishop, to the people of South Sudan, who have been faithful, as the gospel says, continue, faithful, faithful, faithful. They've been faithful to stay under the cross and carry the lift high, the cross of Jesus, and keep acknowledging Jesus Christ is my Lord in my, on my bishop's ring. That's written in Dinka, Jesus Christ is my Lord. Now, Jesus, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, verse 18 to 20, Jesus said, as we call it, Great Commission, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, Old Bishop Nathaniel Garang, he's the one who ordained Justin, a, a, a canon yeah. in the uh, diocese for vocation, ministry for vocation. So our diocese has a direct link with South Sudan. And Jesus said, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And remember, I am with you always. It is not sometime whenever I decide. You know, I feel like I'll, 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 I'll be with you. You know, but when Jesus promises, he is true and faithful. His faithfulness endureth forever. He said, I will be always with this mission church meeting here. Horizon West to the end of the age. The nature of early church was fundamentally of missional nature. Later on, in 380 onward, we became the Constantinian Church. The church and the state became one but in the present day, I think the church is going back to the apostolic model of the church where you are meeting here. This is how the church started. Where the gospel was taken, communities formed, 
with the express sense that their task and purpose was to continue the apostolic witness that had brought them into being as a church, ecclesia. I have five things to share with you. Number one, they were to be Christ witnesses. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. They were supposed to be Christ witnesses. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And all Judea and Samaria and in the horizon west to the ends of the world in South Sudan and Islamabad, Pakistan. Number two. Christ's letters to the world. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1 to 3. I like to read that. You are a letter of Christ prepared by us, which means the communal, you know, the community of West uh, of Central Florida, written not with ink, Jesus says, but with the Spirit of the Living God, not on tablets of stones, but on tablets of human hearts. That's where it is written. Jesus Christ is my. Lord and Savior. That's where it's written. I love you, Lord Jesus. I acknowledge you as my Savior, my King, my rock, and my hiding place. Third, salt and light on the earth. Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let the light of horizon west of this all souls. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Isn't it beautiful? If that's happening, that's what Jesus promises when all souls community will live as the salt and the light of the world will be glory and praise in heaven. Wow, what a faithful people they are. Wow, that's beautiful. So complimentary. Wow, I'll be always with you. Keep shining as the light of Christ. Be the salt. 
keep giving glory and praise to Jesus. Fourth, a chosen race, a royal priesthood. We've been so much focused, you know. Tomorrow we'll be watching, you know, the funeral of uh, Her Majesty. And I was thinking, early morning I got up, and I said, when this wretched sinner, a very ordinary commoner, will die, because I've been looking at all the regalia and all the beauty, you know, of uh, uh, Queen's, you know, when she has arrived, her coffin was brought to Westminster, and, uh, and I said, when this sinner Patrick will die, there'll be few, you know, people in the church, but before it, it happens, the saints of God, for all of us, the angels and the choirs of the cherubim and seraphim, I was just imagining in my, you know, my, they'll be coming. They'll be wearing beautiful vestments, beautiful, you know, kind of uh, band will be playing and my soul will be taken before the throne of grace and mercy and our Lord Jesus Christ will be sitting with all regalia, all the beauty. And I said, Patrick, then you will be presented if I am faithful before the throne of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, this is what we hear. You know, I was preparing the sermon and I was reading again this morning and this you know, really, this whole message, this whole thought came to my mind, and it was so beautiful. And I said, wow, it may be even bigger than, you know, Queen Her Majesty Elizabeth II, you know, when a faithful will go before Jesus, you know, when the saints of God and the angels and cherubim and seraphim will carry us before him, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Wow. God's own people. God has now owned us as daughters and sons, certified members of his kingdom. We are not somebody outsiders. We are God's own people that they may declare the wonderful deeds of him who called them out of darkness into marvelous light, the Shekinah, the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we read in the word of God in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. Fifth, every apostolic congregation was bidden to lead its life worthy of the calling with which it had been called. That calling was to be vocation of witness the gospel. Archbishop Donald Coggan, Myron and I had several, you know, Archbishop Canterbury died now, but uh, we we met him many times and had dinner with him. And Donald Coggan would say, Gossip the gospel. <laughs> gossip the gospel. 
You know, I love this, you know, how uh, Archbishop Donald Coggan, a great evangelical bishop of the church in Archbishop Canterbury, you know, he would say, gossip the gospel. That is the charge given to you, to me, and to us all to be faithful witnesses, to gossip the gospel in Horizon West, in Orlando, and wherever to the ends of this city, of this country, and from Jerusalem to Samaria, to the ends of the world, you know, God will take us. We will faithfully carry the good news of the gospel and gossip the gospel. My brothers and sisters, church without the gospel, church without the gospel, vision has its own vision, their own petty agendas. And then when we have our own vision, we'll say place where certain things happen. Where certain things happen, organizational forms and its professional class, the clergy perform the church's authoritative activities. Popular culture captures it well. You go to church in much the same way you might go to a store. You attend a church the way you attend a school or a theater. You belong to a church as you would to a service club with its programs and activities. Yes, the call of the gospel to the followers of Christ today is to live as a missional community. Within postmodern culture where you are meeting here this morning, there the followers of Jesus are seeking to be faithful in their place and time. Otherwise, the church, if not transformed to become a missional church shall gradually decline, which is happening in many communities in the United States and in Europe, and eventually die. Eventually die. Let me give you the definition. What is a missional church? What is a missional church? A missional church is a church that recognizes that it is sent by missionary God. Why we call God missionary God into the world to see a sign for taste and instrument of the God's kingdom. The term missionary God understands God as a missionary God, as a sending God. God the Father sent the Son into the world. God the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit now empowering, sending ecclesia, sending the church and sending it into the world to continue the mission of Christ. The church's mission flows from the mission of God. It is not an agenda. Father Ensley, our Bishop Greg, you know, came up. But this is the mission. This is the agenda of God. Let me close. <clears throat> mission is not merely an activity of the church. It is God's own initiative. As God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever shall believe in him should not perish but have life everlasting. The joy, the shalom, the peace, the assurance that we are not lost. We are found. We are part of the kingdom of God. We learn from the parable of the sowing of the seeds that in fact they were brambles, rocks and ruts along the way. I believe you are finding some of those as you, you know, plant a new mission. In the redemptive story of the people of Israel, there were always people who were complaining and wanted to go back to the old ways. Let's go back to Egypt. There were others who did not want to let go of their personal golden calves. But those who wanted to move, those who wanted to move with God were the missional people. They trusted God and went through the deep waters of the parted Red Sea and finally arrived in the promised land. Hallelujah! Episcopalians usually have to date. To say hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. Wow. They arrived at the promised land. I've read in your bulletin a bold statement of faith. And I quote, if you're not praying and laboring in God, that is, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and for God, then all is in win. We are boldly stepping out, the bulletin says, in faith to answer the call that God has placed on us as missionaries to the horizon west. My brothers and sisters, I pray as a servant of Jesus Christ, you shall rediscover its biblical and theological roots in order to proclaim, to live the good news with new zeal. Not just because it's just a customary thing. You do one hour thing on Sunday morning. But with new power, with new zeal, with new renewal, with new commitment 
to serve as servant community as Christ's disciples. An Anglican Bishop N.T. Wright put it this way, quote, taking up the cross is not merely passive operation. It comes about us as the church attempts, you also attempts in the power of the Spirit to be for the world what Jesus was for the world, announcing the kingdom, healing the wounds of the world, telling the power structures that kept anger and pain in circulation. We need to pray that we will have courage. We'll have courage as a church, as a missional community, and Christians persons to follow Jesus wherever he leads. You may not know as followers of Jesus what is the future of all souls but your willingness wherever Jesus is willing to lead you will follow him you say I have decided to follow Jesus no turning back the cross before me the world behind me no turning back as missional church our local witness is to engage in ministry with the poor and the homeless and the needy. The process of becoming missional people is not adding one more program to the church, but living and practicing the gospel in the total life of this community of faith. This is done. This is done through discerning vocation. What is God calling us to be all souls people? Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, engaging in communal relationships and offering and sharing Christian friendship and hospitality. May the Lord bless you as you continue this mission of Christ. I look forward to be with you again when I come back to Orlando. I'll be here until the 30th of October and fly back to Wisconsin on the 1st of November, All Saints Day, and then start planning to go in December to South Sudan and uh, most probably, if my time allows, to Pakistan also, but mostly my first uh, place will be South Sudan. So keep me in your prayers, and I look forward to have more fellowship with you at the coffee hour. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.